This is an interview on Tuesday, August 17th, 2021, with Void Vader guitarist Eric Kluber by Nick Perkel. Now, Eric, what's been going on with you since we last talked back, I think, November uh, 2020? November 2020. Well, the album did come out. It came out on Ripple Music. It's called Great Fear Rising. We had been working up towards that. Um, since I spoke with you, we released a couple videos. Uh, one for I Can't Take It and I Want More. And then even a third video, which was a, a lyric video for the song Great Fear Rising. Uh, we did a couple shows over the winter months, uh, which helped us just keep playing and keep the energy happening. And what just happened is we came back from our Escape LA tour 2021, uh, which we played the very first Ripple Texas Fest, a Ripple Fest Texas. Awesome. So uh, I guess, you know, tell me a little bit about the uh, festival in Texas. That was the cornerstone of our tour. And once again, this is the first Ripple Fest that they've done in Texas. It was outside of Austin. is uh, the town of uh, New Brofinals, I believe it's pronounced, between San Antonio and Austin. Um, they've done Ripple Fest before in other locations, but never Texas. Uh, we It started started early and went late. I mean, the whole show was nonstop from noon till like one in the morning. Uh, we played at about seven ten, and uh, we were there to, we were really there to represent what we've been working on for these past uh, year and a half specifically. And uh, we had toured out to Austin from Los Angeles. So we were, we were well rehearsed before the tour. And then we had warmed up and we we're ready to deliver. We had like worked out our set and gotten everything as good as it could be. This was the Super Bowl as far as we were concerned. This is a very important show. So there was a lot of pressure. They had these they had these projector lights on us, which had a very cool visual display that gave an extra edge to the show because it was in pitch black. And if you've ever played an instrument um, like guitar that you do need to see what you're doing from time to time, you know, it made it quite a bit more difficult. I actually gave a set of glow-in-the-dark inlays. I have these stickers. I, I've been dealing with this my whole life, poor lighting. And I gave them to Kelly of Mothership because he was also worried about it because it just makes things so much harder. So we have these glow-in-the-dark sticker inlays on our guitars that you can put a flashlight on that helps a lot, you know. But regardless, the show, we kicked ass. We absolutely fucking crushed it. And we're really happy about it. I mean, it was like a, it was, it was hot in there, man. And uh, more, more than an average show. But then thinking back to it, San Antonio was insanely hot as well. And it's, it's one of those shows. It's, it was a really important show, at least in my mind. And I think all the guys in the band. So there was some pressure on it. But we had been preparing for it and touring to get out there. And I think we killed it. We're really happy with our performance. And, and how the, the crowd reacted to us. And uh, that was our band experience. From then on, we could kind of relax. Side note, my favorite band to watch was Freedom Hawk, who played a couple bands after us on the main stage. They had two stages. They'd go back and forth. That was Ripple Fest. Now, what kind of personality were you trying to show off in the music video for I Can't Take It? Well, we wanted to do a video. We didn't do any videos for the Stranded album. That's our second album that Ripple put out. And 
so our third record, Great Fear Rising, we wanted some videos. And it came down to it where I, was, I flew out a friend of mine and nothing had really been discussed. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I know how this is going to go. It's going to go really bad, man, if we, don't, if we don't write a script. So I sat down and I wrote a script about it. And I wanted to portray comedy. You can see elements of a couple people. That's uh, G- Gavin Newsom is represented by our friend Jack. The white spy and the black spy, that's supposed to be Spider Spy, Mad Magazine. And then the fan is comedically going through its day, and this kind of has some Scooby-Doo elements to it. There's a lot of comedy about it. But the song is called I Can't Take It, which is a very mm, standard theme in heavy metal um, and rock and roll. And I was like, well, what can't you take? What are you talking about? Like, like you can't stand standing in line for your Starbucks coffee, because that would be just kind of lame. And, but what, what are we really upset about here? I mean, you're saying you're upset about shit. What are you upset about? And how can we represent that into a story? And well, the lockdowns came in, were very relevant at the time. Uh, we filmed it in September, so we had already gone through six months of it. And um, that directly influenced us. It was very topical. So I'm like, let's talk about uh, rock and roll being shut down by the authorities above, and we're fucking pissed, and that's legitimate. That's actually a legitimate thing to be upset and frustrated about, and I can, I can show this in a visual way. So I show the band kind of waking up from the day, you know, waking up like as if they're the Brady Bunch together, eating their cereal, rocking out to like Beavis and Butthead. Then we go out, we load up the van, uh, we, we hike up Runyon Canyon, which is, we actually did this carrying gear, which damn near killed me, and threw the freaking guitar off the top of uh, Runyon Canyon, uh, which is a, an homage to Guns N' Roses. But, so like the idea is like we're going through ridiculous lengths to make the show happen. And then we go down to the Sunset Strip and we try to do a show at the Viper Room, but no, and we've been followed this whole time by these two spies and they're reporting to to like the, the government agent and then he shows up and he locks it down and then so we go across the street and we go to the next club like we keep trying and trying and oh he locks us down and then we just had this Benny Hill thing at the end so these are all the elements of comedy and the story that is actually legitimate was was the lockdowns the shutting down of live music its venues it was happening right there the venues were shut down as we walked up and used them illegally in our video and um that's it bud i hope that makes sense now i heard you used adrian the drummer from exmortis for this tour how far back do you guys go wait 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 not not this tour we have used him for many times um and he is a great friend of sam's and they were in a band called legal tender who i played shows with in many of my previous bands previous to void vader and so what years would those make them between like 2013, 14, 15? Uh, Sam joined in 2016 when Legal Tender finally um, split up. So he goes way back with Adrian. Um, and so there, our drummer, Herman, had to leave years ago at this point. What year was it? Was it 2019? Was it 2018? I can't even keep track. And since then, we've been in a bit of a limbo situation for local shows. Um, 
fortunately, you know, we got Joey DiBiase. He did the tour with us. He did the album with us. And uh, we met him back in 2017. And <clears throat> like, we, we do this like long distance band member thing, right? And it works out great because he's so fucking awesome. But when you have local shows that make no sense to fly a dude, he lives in Connecticut. Joey lives in Connecticut. When it makes no sense to do a one-off or a two-off show, meaning, meaning maybe a weekend of shows, a short run of shows, or a one-off, um, we've, we've used local drummers. We've gone through many of them. Adrian was, he did like the two shows in the winter of, uh, the two weekends in the winter of 2020. And then he did our CD release show. And we kept using them. I mean, he learned our stuff very well. And um, we were going to do some more, like, one-off shows before the tour. And X Mortis got back in full swing. And he let us know, hey, guys, he was helping us out. You know, it was, it was you know, we paid him money, but it was a mutual thing. And it, the, it, the time of it was no longer able to be done. And he's 100% back in Ex Mortis and does not have time to help us out. Um, but it was a great experience, and we really appreciate him stepping up and helping us uh, do some shows in the interim to keep us uh, relevant. And those shows really helped us, um, actually, uh, on a number of levels. We had to do them, and I'm so glad we did. And he stepped up to the occasion. That's what's up with Adrian. No. When did you guys start going out and doing like these weekend trips to prepare for this tour? The weekend trips weren't necessarily to prepare. <clears throat> they were um, just to do some shows because we had finished the video. We had finished the album and we were kind of getting a bit stagnant. Now it is the, the winter season, which is a slow season anyway, with family vacations, um, uh, Thanksgiving, things like that. Um, all these holidays just get, they kind of make that, that time very fucked up. It's New Year's Eve, etc. We did some shows over the winter of 2020 to help keep the momentum going. We had completed the album, we had completed some videos, and, and we needed to rock. Now, at Los Angeles was out of the question, nothing going on. Same thing with Las Vegas. And we have um, some promoters out in Phoenix that love the band and gave us a great deal to go out and play which we were itching and dying to do, you could still do that there and as well as get paid, which we owed a lot of money for our recording expenses. So it was a win-win for us. And we've built a fantastic, uh, we've built a good audience in Arizona as a result, a result of continuing to go back out there for satellite shows more than any other place. That was up, what was up with them. Yeah, we did like two separate weekends over the winter. Now that felt like that felt like huge accomplishments in, in themselves because no one else was doing anything. We were really lucky to even get those opportunities to do those shows. So that's why we did them. Now, you got through a two-week uh, tour from Arizona to Vegas. How do you prepare for this tour? As far as the locations, Arizona to Vegas would only be six hours, but it was like a big loop, starting in Arizona, making its way through New Mexico, uh, Colorado, Oklahoma City, bunch of Texas, Cornerstone show in at Ripple Fest, and then coming back 
then actually making it back up to San Diego, Anaheim. No show in L.A. because we could not get one. There's so much red tape up here. And um, ending in Vegas. How do we prepare for that? Um, well, a lot of the guys, we do homework on our own. So we'll, our drummer, Joey DiBiase, he lives in Connecticut. So he's working on his own out there with our recorded music. We obviously select a big list of songs for everyone to learn perfectly. Us on our own, we'll do homework and then we'll also rehearse individually. Uh, wait, that doesn't make any sense. We do the homework individually and we'll also rehearse together with drum tracks that we have from the album, just playing to the drums, the three of us. In this case, Lucas's, um, his, his place where he lives, his apartment house. I don't know, house apartment. But anywho, um, yeah, so then we get together. We don't have that much time. Um, I think we had five days to prepare as a band and uh, we'll rent a room at the rehearsal space out in Burbank, Nightingale, and uh, bang it out for five days in a row. And then we'll have all the songs. Um, first day is normally a little rough, and then it gets tighter and tighter and better and better, and we decide which songs are working. Um, and then from there, on the road, we'll actually still continue to work out the set. You know, first night's going to change from the second night. We're going to add and subtract songs, um, substitute them until we get, we finalize a set that works the best. Some songs are longer, some sets are longer than the others, and they might be more like an hour, with the, the average length being about 45 minutes, which is what we worked up for Ripple Fest. And so by the time we got there, we're a well-oiled machine, and we're able to just deliver. For a typical show, how long was, um, I guess, your set list? And uh, give me um, kind of like a rundown on the average set you played. Mm, let's see if I can remember it. I don't have it, in, I have it in front of my eyes. Well, like I was saying, the average set length is about 45 minutes with some room sometimes to go longer, A, if we feel like it, if the, if the show really warrants it or not. Um, and then there's a few, sometimes promoters will want more. But um, looking at it, we typically played really a 10-song set with a big guitar solo in the middle. Lucas did a guitar solo between Inferno and Great Fear Rising. And that was a great addition to the set because it broke it up. It gave it some dynamics rather than just song, 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 song. And he can do a killer solo. Um, so as far as what it was, is a lot of, looking at it, a majority of songs from the new record and a couple of quote-unquote hits from Stranded and just one, no, two songs from Dehumanized, our very first release. We did I Can't Take It and I Want More. Although, to be quite honest, we would have preferred to like flip I Want More and then I Can't Take It. We just decided that late. We just like stuck with the order. <clears throat> anyway, I Can't Take It. That's the first video. I Want More, second video. No Return from Dehumanized Monster, Put Away Wet and Toxic Waste. Those were all from Stranded. Um, then Inferno, that was my favorite song to play. It was surprising how well that one went over. That one's just it's a very epic song, has a lot of different changes, some great musical parts, peaks and valleys. Uh, the crowd always reacted to that when we hit this, this ending run after Lucas's solo before the outro. Then anywho, did, uh, Lucas did his guitar solo, which was incredible. And no one else does guitar solos nowadays. 
mean, he does one as good as Eddie Van Halen. So it uh, was very effective. And then Great for Rising title track. We did play MacGyver's Mullet a lot of nights. That's one that I sing, which is a cool breakup um, of just, just change, of the pace because I'm singing instead of Lucas, then Losing Control, which is just another tune from the, the new record. And then we did like kind of, sometimes it was an encore. Sometimes we just play it. Uh, we actually added it to the set in Phoenix without even knowing the fucking tune. Like we did not rehearse this one. I did not, I had to learn it on the spot from just, and, and you know, botched a couple notes here and there. Joey didn't know it at all uh, until it's gone. Uh, that, that's from Dehumanize. And uh, as we played it over, it's a pretty simple song. So as we played it over the next couple of nights, we tightened that one up, but it always, it just worked. It just worked. So that was our set. And uh, we did also do a cover of a uh, commotion by CCR that we did for the first half of the tour. And we're like, nah, we're just not feeling it. It's just not working right. So we just took that one out of the set. So that's just some examples of bringing songs in and bringing songs out. Now, that's what's up with that. What songs did you find went over the best from your live shows? And can you yeah. tell me about well, a few? Yeah, Inferno was my absolute favorite. And once again, that has to do with Peaks and Valleys of the song. Great guitar work that people really do always love the twin, the guitar harmonies, uh, which Lucas and I do a lot of in that song and pull off perfectly. Um, just well orchestrated and people, it just really seemed to resonate with people. Great Fear Rising um, is a favorite of the set because people fucking love it. And it's just a fast ripper. And once again, has all, all these different elements that are interesting to watch and listen to. I Want More just crushes. Uh, we did that second. And it's just a uh, blazing opening riff. Good, good hard rock song that people are, seem to think is very fun. And then finally, uh, my last one to pick would be Monster, which I'm really happy to bring back to this set because we've played with so many different drummers, not just Adrian. And then Joey, you know, we told you how, you know, we work with him long distance and we fly him out for the tours. Well, we've done many, many shows over the last three years. Anywho, Monster has to be played right. <laughs> and it, it wasn't seeming so powerful for a while. And with Joey, wow, that song just fucking rules, man. Just comes in and has a lot of power. Uh, how, how it should be. And so it kind of revalued itself in the set and it became one of the strongest that we played consistently every night. Those would be my choices. Now, during the tour, were you able to visit any cool national landmarks or cult restaurants? No, we did not because it's such a sh um, small uh, group of people um, that we have to share all the driving responsibilities and there's really, there's really not any time to do those types of activities for this tour. The way it was laid out, the distances that we had to travel and the times that we were expected to show up and uh, dealing with, with mechanical issues. Yeah, I don't have any, any stories. Let me take a look at the dates and see if there was any exception. We didn't do much. We did bring our swimsuits. We just got together some hotel rooms a few times and get to swim. That was fun. Hold on a second here. If I go to 
just look at the tour dates in front of my eyes. Maybe something will pop up. Glendale, nothing. El Paso, well, there's nothing there except seeing the border to your right as you're driving east. Albuquerque. I mean, we saw plenty of beautiful landscape and some very interesting cloud formations everywhere we drove. Uh, drove through a desert monsoon between uh, Phoenix and San Diego that was really intense. And then actually two of those with the rain just comes down super hard and it's, it's, it's blinding just for the driver. And then, yeah, the cloud formations in Albuquerque, remember the clouds coming over the mountains, just like, it was like almost like a drink, like, um, like a root beer spilling over the edge of a glass. It was really beautiful. Denver is a great city, man. Oklahoma City, been there a million times. Uh, Dallas, yeah, we partied with Jason Hubbard and friends after that. San Antonio was always a crazy blast. Yeah, no breaks here so far that we did anything. Houston, hot as fucking hell. New Braunfels, that's where Ripple Fest was at. We were just at Ripple Fest all day. And I visited the Texas Ski Ranch. That place is interesting. Dead Horse in San Angelo, that poor town has just been crushed by the, the uh, lockdown. That was, that was a dead town. We made the best of it, though. A bunch of just driving to San Diego, uh, Anaheim, and then Vegas. No, no no big landmarks, just nothing but driving. And then no really cool restaurants either, other than I have to say again, Whataburger is, is the best. Whataburger is so much better than In-N-Out. It's not even comparable. In-N-Out is really just a, a burger. And we, we had both of them. And this tour went again solidified the point that Whataburger is superior in every way to in and out how do you think dealing with the year and a half of the coronavirus has changed you as a musician well it's definitely caused a big disconnect because you can choose to shut down or you can choose to find ways around this and continue to work so what was already a very difficult um, um, activity, which is playing music and finding gigs, and trying to get out on the road has become uh, twice as hard. I'm, I'm really fortunate to be in a band that wasn't going to accept sitting down and, and just waiting for someone's permission to come out of the basement and live our lives again. And we found ways um, around all of these policies to continue to do what we do. And so that um, has changed a, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people like who we used to work with and, and who we work with now, because the people that want to keep doing it are one camp and the people that want to not do it and wait for permission. And on top of it, they don't want others to continue to do this until there's like an all clear sign from the powers that be. That's the other camp. And, and that's kind of an interesting, maybe that's a division because those two people um, shouldn't be working together because they don't see things eye to eye. And um, we continue to, to be bands and perform live and uh, continue to create and take this to the people. The biggest thing that uh, you need to take advantage of while you have it is your time. And that's the biggest uh, target of these lockdowns as it will just rob you of your time 
which is fleeting fast. I mean, six months is a huge chunk of time. A year and a half is a massive chunk of time, especially in rock and roll. And and firing things back up after a year and a half of rust, well, I'm glad I'm not in that situation. So we, we continued to stay busy because the momentum is incredibly important in anything. And uh, because otherwise distractions will take over. And, and before you know it, you've got a whole different lifestyle and you can't even get back to where you were if you wanted to. We have dealt with it by, it's kind of reaffirmed who we are and how we see um, our mission. And we take it really seriously. We are on a mission from the gods. We, the gods show no mercy, but they definitely, they shine on you when you uh, prove that you're worthy of, of their touch. And um, we, we're still on a mission to, for rock and roll. And uh, as cliche as that is, we take it really seriously. And we're not going to let, we're going to find ways around all this red tape, this never-ending red tape. And we've proven that we, we have done so and will continue to do so. What do you feel like was the most valuable lesson you learned about the current touring climate for the DIY musicians that are out there getting ready to get beyond the two to three gig weekend trips to get ready for a decent tour? Wow, it's, it's harder than ever, so you got to put the best not I'm not trying to be negative about it. And yeah, you, you just got to bust your ass and be serious about it. You need to follow through. You need to put in the work, and the reward is, is the experience itself, which I think is, I can't think of anything better to do. So highly encourage it, anyone who is serious about doing it to put in all the steps it takes because it can be overwhelming. So that's one end of it. I mean, just the, the amount of work it takes to, to do that and, and don't let that, uh, um, don't let that discourage you from pursuing it. And um, I think that bands that go out and tour, I think like, things um i think it means more now i think it means a lot more to get out uh put your yourselves at risk and uh and when i, I say that um it's just that nothing's guaranteed you know i'm yeah risk it get out there go on the road see what happens because things could be canceled at a moment's notice i mean you you are going day to day um the world could change um uh, uh, immediately we've had that happen before but uh, people really appreciate it more I think and even if it's a small crowd I think the small crowd still really appreciates that you made the effort to come out and perform and do this and prove yourself man um, I, 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 that's a bit of encouragement for them to do it I know I suggest on anyone and or just for ourselves man I was really happy with how this turned out and seeing the expression on, on some fans we had before and making new fans and the clubs themselves. And yeah, man, that was a good show. You guys are welcome back anytime. We killed it, you know? Like, yes. It really feels like we were up against a lot. And we, and we made our way through it. We won the Super Bowl. It's great. You learn about any cool new ghost stories or urban legends from the tour? No, but I want to, um, what I did experience is some true evil. And this is how I experienced it. Um, I use an app called Hotwire. 
And I'm kind of convinced that any hotel on Hotwire is kind of dying now. So you get to see these, stay at these hotels that maybe at one point were really, really elegant and really, uh, really doing well, really popping, and now they're dying. And, and you see them decay around you, and there's a whole feeling that comes with it as the people that come in start to just become seedy and criminal. And you're walking by these hotels that at one point probably were top, like four or five star, and now you're walking by and dogs are barking from the inside like pit bulls, and, and you just can feel the aura. Evil's a cliche, but it, it is what it is. You can feel the true evil and the cancer starting to literally change the entire um, uh, energy of a building uh, and, and be transformed. And then the extreme case of that was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where this Motel 6, and you're going through and you're reading about it. It doesn't seem that bad. It seems like a standard cheap hotel um, that you'd stay at overnight, no frills. And you go there, and this thing had been so corrupted. It had turned into a tweaker mess village. And the doors are open, and everyone has this blank zombie stare. And, and the energy that's coming off them is just guilt and constant need to consume. And then it's the hookers and everyone there is like, everyone's guilty. Everyone's like up to something, you know, like everyone's kind of trying to portray this false innocence, but you can see they're a complete threat. So this entire place that probably was a normal hotel at one point, built with good intentions, now it's just like a hub for like perversion and corruption and theft and crime and prostitution. And you, you can literally feel the, the pulsing on the walls. And of course, it's the telltale signs everywhere. Just from, I mean, it, it was comical. I mean, it's like just people passed out in the, in the, on the stairwells and the, the burnt uh, curtains from the crack torches and everything is literally just destroyed and it's gone full fucking full Satan on it, you know, and not in a good way. But um, so yeah, that's why me and Sam slept in the van because, uh, well, we just figured this, we're pretty much a target here. This would be a really good score for someone. And that night, actually, they had, I, I, there was a, I woke up to every little sound. And it was a million degrees. And there was like a flashlight poking in the, in the van. I'm like, no way. We're actually going to get jacked. We're actually going to get robbed. This is really happening. I looked out. There's this guy, and he's got a black mask on. He's got a hat on. He's got his, like, his, his whole uniform out. And he's got a shotgun in his, in his hand. He goes, he goes, what are you doing? I go, and I looked at him, and I'm like, who are you? And it turns out, you know, like, we kind of have this little standoff, but, um, I mean, I, I'm like, this guy trying to rob me, and he thinks, he looks, thinks that I'm some sort of derelict just sleeping, because this place is this crack town, right, where it, and nothing good happened. And I guess he was private security, and uh, was, and I just, and he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, I'm sleeping, I'm in the van, are you a guest here? Yeah, room 207. Why aren't you in your room? Well, because this van is very valuable. And I think he got it. Like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I wouldn't want to leave my van here either, right? All right, have a good day. So that was our, our little um, exchange. And I was actually, I did, I'm like, oh, that is good that they have some security here. I didn't know if they had any. But, um, yeah, that's watching these hotels 
and, and feeling the actual cancer starting to consume them from their previous glory and turning them into whatever will be. Every single one seemed to be kind of sick and you could feel it. So I think that shit is, that's pretty close to ghosts. How can fans track down your music? Well, the name, the band's name is Void Vader, V-O-I-D space V-A-T-O-R. And that in itself, just type it in. And we're on every single platform from social media to streaming. Our, our music is uh, it's on sale physically, or you can stream it, and anything you want to do. That's all you need to do. We also have an email list, by the way. I want to, I want to try to just keep pushing and building that, which uh, if you can sign up for the email list on our Facebook page, that's, that's a great idea. It's a great way to keep in touch with us in case you miss anything. Oh, also, <laughs> the Bandcamp page is another uh, real simple way to – I also send out messages there and uh, give out little freebie codes every once in a while. So uh, I recommend the Facebook, sign up for the mailing list, do the Bandcamp. But either way, just type in Void Vater, and if you spell it right, you'll find us. Uh, final words? All right. Final words. Um, final words. Keep on rocking in the free world and um, never give up, never surrender, and always keep fighting. This was an interview with Void Vader guitarist Eric Kluber on Tuesday, August 17th, 2021 by Nick Burkell.